We are at the clock of 10 on Sunday morning. Let's see, it is May the 15th in 2022. Here we have a gathering of a group of people on the conference call, simulcast here with BBS. It's called the Sunday Morning with the Elohim. The Elohim is a group show on the other side of the veil. All energetic beings, there are many of them, millions. And we have the pleasure, the honor, and the great advantage of being able to communicate with them through our dear friend, Teddy Brown, located in Sedona, Arizona, who is capable of connecting with those energies and communicate. I thank you all for being here and hope that this show will be entertaining and educational and lift your spirit. I welcome to the next caller. Please say name and location. Hi, hi, Don in Northern Ohio. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Don. Hi, Don. Hi. Hi. And I'm sorry, Edward, say it, say it again. Yeah, it's called it Heal, Heal and Soothe. Heal and Soothe. It's the, the Healthy Back uh, Company. Heal, look and, up Heal and Soothe. Soothe, like S-O-O-T-H? Yes. Thank you. I, I, I looked it up, and they're supplement tablets, and I think... I think you can get them on Amazon. Okay. Amazon.com. It, really, it really worked for me. I got really bad back problems, and it, it really worked. All right. Yes, there's two versions. There's a, a joint support, super joint support, and Heal and Soothe synthetic enzyme formula. It's currently unavailable. Let's have a quick wow. check. Well, go to their go to their website. Happy Sunday to the next caller. Please say name and location. Hi, it's Bonnie in California. Hello, Bonnie. You sound in the background, hey, but we know you're here. Yeah. Hi, Bonnie. Hi, Bonnie. I, was trying, I was trying to get on Whole Planet Healing there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's right. Happy Lunar Eclipse, buddy. Morning. Happy Lunar Eclipse. <laughs> All right. And it looks Welcome. like looks Go ahead. looks like the path is covering the whole of South America. Um, Brazil all the way up to I think it's covering you as well, Hyde, in California. What and what is it that is covering it? The, the path of the eclipse. Okay. It'll be prominent in those areas. All right. Has someone else joined in? Happy Sunday to you. If you want to, feel free to say name and location. But, of course, only if you want to. We welcome you. And if you just joined in online through PBS, happy Sunday to you. 
and thanks for being here. Welcome the next caller. Please say your name and location. Good morning. It's Wynn in Sedona. Welcome, Wynn. Hey, Wynn. Good morning, Wynn. Hey, Wynn. Good morning. How, did, how does Terry sound this morning? Terry's here. How does she sound? Fantastic. Her voice sounds good? Clear? Yes. Yes. Terry, say something. Give it a minute. Hello? Hello, Terry. I think if you muted to hear on this side. Well, she has trouble um, hitting the mute button. <laughs> Welcome to the next caller. Please say your name and location. Roger in Austin. Welcome, Roger. Roger. Good morning, hi. Uh, Happy Sunday. And someone else joined in. Welcome to you. Please say your name and location. Good morning. Good afternoon, beautiful people. Yeah, welcome, Joe. Joe. Good morning, hi. How are you? Good. Good. And Joe, you're you're blessed to be a Terry as well. What's that? I so say you're blessed to be a Terry as well. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Well, Someone I, else I joined. Welcome, Raiden. Thank you. Hi, Raiden. <clears throat> I just got knocked off. Welcome back, Cynthia. Hi. Thanks. <laughs> What did you get locked up for this time, Stevie? <laughs> <laughs> you know, she sounds like such a derelict. <laughs> knocked off is a lot better. Knocked off is a lot better than knocked up. Oh, I'm sorry I licked your stamp, but I didn't place the tape on top of it. Oh, what would be an evil thing. <laughs> Just out of curiosity overseas, because their TV is so much different, did you guys ever see the American um, show called The um, uh, the Beverly Hillbillies? Yeah. I think that I think I think that was on Sky over here. Okay. I, 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 I don't know. I, rem- <laughs> I, rem- I thought it was one of the funniest. Yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember something that was really good. Something hillbillies, but I don't remember the rest of it. Well, I hate we to put the hillbilly it. into it, but that's another thing, too, a lot of people think about, you know, hillbilly and, you know, some people think it's a derogatory, some people think it's a descriptive. Uh, you know, my grandpa used it as an endearment. He grew up in, you know, the cult, but some people find that. I was <clears> down in Tennessee, and, and they said, you know, calling us hillbillies is like calling a black man. And I was like, oh, okay, mental note. Um, but, you know, so some people can be called a redneck, some people can be called a hip, yep. and those are all different things. Yes, but, you know, I've traveled the country extensively, and this is like your, you know, it, it can be French or German, but the language is almost different. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the next caller. Please say the name and location. 
Good morning, everyone. It's Eminem in Nebraska. Welcome, Eminem. Hi, Mike and Mary. Uh, Eminem. Dad you guys are Eminem. sweet. Joel, I think, Joel, I think uh, the political... Marshall Mathers for a minute. Joel, the... I uh, love Eminem. My favorite The correct name. term is the Hill <laughs> William. <laughs> Peanut ones. <laughs> one of my favorite Sorry. things that she used was the one she was given advice for something on somebody's problems and and the uh, the guy the doctor who was standing there in a suit tie says are you an MD she says yes I am mountain doctor <laughs> welcome to the next caller please say your name and location John from Las Vegas welcome John hi John well hi 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 John hi John sounds like a dealer Wait. Sound like Wait, what? Um, <laughs> like a dealer in Las Vegas. Yeah. Like Chris Do you want to come? Do you want to hit? You want to hit? <laughs> Wait, oh my God. Alan. <laughs> Wait, no, I've got a message from Alan. He's saying that the you know, code was, is blocked or unavailable. He, I, he said what? He said the code is blocked or unavailable. I'm guessing he's having trouble getting on the call. Okay. It's probably using the old code. So I need to find the number because I don't know what the number you is. You want to send him the code? The, let me give you the, full, yeah. the phone number and the code, okay? So 667. Yeah. Hold on. 667. 770. 770-1523. <laughs> One five two three. Access code nine four zero. Hang on. Oh yeah, nine four zero six five eight pound. Six five eight pound, right? Great. Thanks. And happy Sunday if you just joined in online through BBS Radio. We welcome you. Thank you for being here. The two hours. Sunday morning with the Elohim and also the Ra group and probably many other higher beings will participate with this call. I welcome the next caller on the phone line. Thank you for being here. If you want to, feel free to say name and location. Um, this is Terry. Hello, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terry, hi, would you do me a, do me a favor and um, miss Terry? Don't let her mute herself, but she can't figure okay. it out, okay? I'm muted right now. <laughs> All right. The other one was on the Beverly Hillbillies where they wanted to go to uh, California. And he was justifying it to Gremlin. He says to one of the kids, he says, do you remember she slipped on the ice and fell? Broke her hip? She's that poor girl limp for three days. Come on, Algernon. Happy Sunday, please. Say your name and location. Hi, hi. Cecil from the Great Northwest. Mr. Cecil, welcome. Thank you. Hi, Cecil. Hi. 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 And we will be taking off here in just a moment. 
Fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> if you could and once the Elohim group comes in and the Ra group, <clears throat> you can just open yourself up to it if you feel comfortable and they can connect with you. They're already here. <laughs> so place your uh, your trays and your seats in the upright position. I'd like you to pay attention mm-hmm. to them. <laughs> this will be a nice looking time. I used to travel so much I could do almost every airline. I could walk in and do the spiel right along with them. They'd walk in and they'd be like, they'd get on the plane. Oh, where are you going? Today? <laughs> yeah, you do. Hey, when you're done, come jump on the back. <laughs> a lot of fun at the time when I was younger, but as you grow older, that's not something you want to do. I had seven years on the road continuously all over. Wow. On the taxpayer I got a kick. Thank you. I got a kick out of one of the waitress or the uh, stewardesses uh, doing their little spiel there, and they're talking about if if the airbags fall down and uh, you, you put it on yourself first, and then if you have a child, put it on put that on the se- child second. If you have two children, pick the one you like Shoot. most. I ever had, I remember, was going to Seattle, though. They put us in the downward position. We were out of fuel. Everything was fogged in. They dropped ice, and they said, when we land, we don't know if we got 500 feet or 5,000 feet. You know, we're going to be crashing into the, into the woods. And we hit so hard, it bounced, and you're, you know, everyone's got their head down. And race, race, race. And um, then they reverse-thrusted the things. I thought the plane was coming apart, and all of a sudden it stopped, came to a dead stop, and that place erupted into a party. It was hilarious. It was the, most, it was the scariest thing because it was shaking so hard because when they landed, they take the jet flow, and they, were, they push it forward. So the plane is just with all this activity. is just whacking all over the place. And then we just shot to a stop. And then just three seconds of silence, and then everybody freaked out. <laughs> then they sent trucks out to us, the bands, to go get us up in the middle of the... Happy Sunday, Rock, to the conference call. Please say name and location. Hi, hi, this is Jeannie and Citrus High. Welcome, Jeannie. Hi, hi Jeannie. Thank you. Hi, Jeannie. Hi, everybody. <coughs> I just heard from stuff that from a guy that's working on uh, uh, Texas, not coming out yet, but uh, they have over 370,000 uh, people that are deceased on the voter rolls so far. So you'll be seeing that when it's coming up. Welcome to the conference call. Please say name and location. Hi, I bet hi, they all Shirley. voted. Shirley from Ohio. Welcome, Shirley. I sure did. I sure did. So let's get started. All right, man.
All participants are muted, and they can unmute themselves. So when today it is May 15th. The recording has started. This is May 15th, 2022. Lynn Free and Terry Brown in Sedona, Arizona. Lynn, can you get closer to the mic? Oh, just a moment. There we go. Sorry. I thought I had everything under control. Winfrey and Terry Brown in Sedona, Arizona. And this is our most popular call of the week. It's called Sunday Morning with the Elohim. And we're going to have a conversation with this group soul, actually two group souls, who are very old in the history of the universe. The Elohim existed before, the, oh, let's just say they say this, you can't prove this, but by the way they answer the questions that I've asked them over the years, I've kind of become convinced that it's true. Everybody has to convince themselves by paying attention to our calls. Um, they say they're on the call right now. They say they're paying attention to everyone energetically. <laughs> they're not just an intelligence that's there and we're here. They have the ability. They don't have bodies. They're, they're energy forms of some sort. And uh, But they're not contained. They can expand. To quote them, they can expand as big as a galaxy, or as small as an atom. And don't believe that either until it resonates. And on this call, they're expanded, not into the call, but into each person that's on the call. That's why people were saying, I can feel their energy. Now, it's not necessary. So for some people... For some people, it's a huge experience, but for most people, it's a gentle vibration, and it's like, <laughs> this is something that they have proved to us over time, and when they expand into this realm... They can do what looks like miracles to us. They can manipulate energies. They can project thought forms. And they can make us feel loved, even when there's no one around to love us. So... The person that is to blame for all of this is my partner, Terry Brown. Terry, are you there? Hi, is this Terry unmuted? Does anybody hear me? 
Yes, when I can hear you. Yeah, you know, I there's one line, but I cannot unmute. So Terry needs to uh, press star six. Uh, well, she's got a little mute button on there, which I forbade okay, her to touch. But but she also needs. He's also on the console. She's. Uh, she's not, I don't so. think she. I don't think she muted herself on the console. So let me just so see what's going on. Yes, now you're on. You're on uh, on the console. Do you see Terry's VOIP? Right now, you just, you just got unmuted. Yeah. She's, she might be okay, muted on her instrument. Hang on. All right. Okay, what are you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, now I hear you, Terry. We hear her. Hear. Can you hear her? Hi. Okay. Okay. This, yes. This computer uh, doesn't work right, but okay. <laughs> All right. Well, don't touch anything now. Do you know why you went off before? Yes, yes I was muted. But I told you not to mute yourself. I didn't. Okay. Well, I'll, stay, I'll be on stand by to help with something. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so in any case... Terry is much better at communicating to higher dimension than she is at working. Okay. Hello. Yes. And Terry, are you there? Yeah. Okay, you're loud and clear. Good. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. We hear you, Terry. So, okay. Terry is is really good at accessing higher dimensions, but she has to really focus to be in this dimension. That's what I have discovered about her. So, be patient, and we will make it work. So, Terry. Um, I've known Terry for years, and we've been really good friends and support systems. And then one day in 2002, she woke me up in the middle of the night, and she said, get the tape recorder out. And I didn't know what was going to happen, but I did. And a voice came through her. I didn't know it was a voice coming through her. I thought it was her. It said, please ask us questions. And so I went along to see what would happen. And they answered the questions in a way that Terry couldn't answer. 
And I still didn't believe it. I thought Terry was making it up or something. But we kept doing it for another couple of weeks. And they kept answering questions. And they identified themselves by the name the Council of Elohim. And when I googled the word Elohim, I found things like one of the names for God in the Old Testament and the name the Mormons use for God. And I, I asked them, are you the same Elohim? And they said they were part of the state. <clears throat> now, I'm still not believing it, but I'm just going along and getting information. And then about four months into it, I had a miracle of healing with my sister. And I said, okay, whoever they are, they did just did something amazing. And for a few years, we talked to them privately in our own little apartment. And um, I was in the middle of writing the book about David Wilcox, The Reincarnation of Edgar Casey. And I had been studying David's channelings at the time. And every then eventually we started doing it on conference calls. And we've been doing this now for twenty years. And we have probably the most amazing set of questions and answers on the planet explaining everything under the sun about some of the mysteries of life. Mysteries like um, how the universe was created. What happens when you die? And everything in between. How to advance yourself spiritually while you're still in a body in this realm. And every Sunday, I pick a topic, and I ask questions on it. And usually, their answers are amazing. People tell me I'm good at asking questions, so you can decide, because I'll be asking a bunch of questions on this call. And in the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, there was one uh, channeling that I included from David Wilcock that I thought was the most powerful channeling ever. And... There was one paragraph in that channel that really struck me. I knew it was right from my own experience, but I never put it in those words 
that way. And I'm going to read that little paragraph, and we're, we're going to go into a session about it. And the chapter was called Healing the Original Wound, meaning that uh, the original wound was being separated from God or all that is, and that everyone in this realm has that separation. And the particular topic is on obligation. And I'll read this, and I'm going to call in the light, and we will start. Let me make sure Terry's still here. You still here, Terry? Yeah. Don't move, okay? Sit on your hand. Okay. We have all experienced those times when we feel obligated to do something for someone, either physical or non-physical. It is more important to try to be true to yourself, to live up to the ideals that you have already espoused in your dealings with others, and to then expect others to follow their own paths without adopting yours. And here is the sentence, which is the, uh, I forget the word, the premier sentence in this topic. The enslavement of perceived obligation knows no bounds within the developing personality. Such is presently the case with so many aspects and facets of your society at this moment that it beggars the imagination. The enslavement of perceived obligations. So what are they saying? They say <coughs> obligations <coughs> enslave us. Terry's got a cold after coughing, so that may happen occasionally. And uh, why are obligations enslavement? We're going to learn more about obligations. Go deep into that. And we're going to start out by calling in the light. Father, Mother, God, we ask for the presence of the light to surround and protect Terry and myself. And any negativity be taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest good of all concerned. We see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through the Milky Way, through the solar system, 
through the outer energies of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. And right now, we invoke a group energy connection while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. And we invite those sources that are positive, service to others, honoring the law of one, to join with us. We create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And do we have our sources present? And we don't hear Terry. Terry, are you there? Energy and blessings to Terry towards her health and well being as we wait for her to come back online. the Elohim group and the Ra group for participating for providing us with information providing us with love and light about three or four times. I, All right. So I suspect Terry, perhaps she got knocked off. Probably.
We're probably having solar flares from the sun, which is disrupting communications. an eclipse today so and we've got high energies on the call My connection seems to be fairly stable at the moment. Keep your fingers crossed. And at the end of this call, in the later part, CJ will go over the healing list. you have the option to put your personal or global issues that you have on your mind onto the healing list. Hi everybody, uh, we're switching over to my Welcome now. back, Terry. Thank Hi, you. Terry. I, 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 the internet must have gone off or something because I don't know why it just went off. Well, I've I've been knocked off about four times. Did you hear? Did you hear what I said, Terry? At all? Nothing. You didn't hear my introduction. No. Okay. All right. Did you hear me call in the light? No. All right. We're going to start again. I'm going to call in the light. I don't know. I'm moving out of view. Up. But are you on VIP because you're, it, it's kind of gurgly, the, the, your sound, the whole time, actually. Well, I'm not going to try to fix it now. I will never okay. get started. You understand me. <laughs> right. Yeah, they hear you. Okay. Father, Mother, God, we ask for the presence of the light. To surround and protect Terry, myself, everyone on this line, everyone on the replays, everyone on BBS, and any negativity taken to the highest realms of light and be transmuted for the highest good of all concerned. 
we see ourselves in the flow of energy radiating from the center of the universe through the galaxies, through the Milky Way, through the solar system, through the outer energy fields of planet Earth, through our bodies, and into the center of the Earth. And right now, we invoke a group energy connection while maintaining the sovereign integrity of our souls. And we invite those sources that are positive service to others, honoring the law of one to join with us. And we create a protected space that only the positive has access to. Anything not of that nature must leave now. And we are going to do a session today with our sources. And we're going to talk about a paragraph in the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, and it has to do with obligation. And obligation seems to be one of those things that keeps us in this realm. Let me read the paragraph. I read it before, but uh, Terry, are you there? I'm here. Okay. We have all experienced these times where we feel obligated to do something for someone, either physical or non-physical. It is more important to try to be true to yourself, to live up to the ideals that you have already espoused in your dealings with others, and to then expect others to follow their own paths without adapting yours. The enslavement of perceived obligation, that's a key word, a phrase there, enslavement of perceived obligations, knows no bounds within the developing personality. And since it's presently the case with so many aspects and facets of your society at this moment that it beggars the imagination. And um, now I'm going to ask, um, do we have our sources present? You're here. Yes, you are coming in strongly. And we are connected with uh, you and with each and every individual on the line that we should to be connected with. Thank you, you may you notice a, you may notice a light a uh, pink light where we intersect with your uh, sphere. Thank you. Continue. So, um, are you familiar with that paragraph that I read or that concept? You are very familiar with this concept. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's. Uh, I would. I would imagine so. Since 
if I have it right, it was the Ra group that spoke that through Wilcock. And and I, I'm going to ask some questions that I hope will help us understand it better. And the first question is, You use the word perceived obligations. Yes. But to be in this realm, there's no way to be in this realm without having a bunch of obligations that are part and parcel of having a body in the physical realm. For example, yes. uh, we live in a house and we have to pay rent on it. That's an obligation. Then, because we have to pay rent, we have to have a job so we can make the money to pay the rent, and that's an obligation. Okay. Now, how does this idea of enslavement of perceived obligations... Um, merged with the fact that you can't be in the physical realm without having obligations. Well, they're, uh, they're talking about perceived obligations. Uh, so the individual, he can have many perceived obligations. Some of them are essential. Some of them are not essential. Some of them are imagined. Some of them are perceived because some other person in their life is putting them there. The, putting them there like the wife is saying, okay, here's your obligations. And presenting uh, him with a list of obligations uh, you need to pay the rent, you need to bring me flowers, you need to bring the groceries home, you need to have a job. Uh, so, however, an individual um, perceives it, uh, and had the people around him perceive his obligations, uh, it works together. Well... Paying rent is not exactly a perceived obligation, is it? It can be. Well, if you don't pay it, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, the man of the house, he, uh, he perceives that uh, during the next year he's going to have to figure out how to pay the rent every month. Mm-hmm. Well, is there a difference between a perceived obligation and a real obligation? In other words, to survive in this realm, you need things that you have to pay for. You need food, you need a shelter, and everything else. And would you call those perceived obligations? 
Well, it depends upon the person, whether they perceive them as obligations that they are going to have to fulfill. Like, maybe the guy is a drunk, and he never even thinks of whether he's going to pay the rent, and that never comes up. And uh, he, uh, somebody else in the family covers for him all the time. It's... Do they, um, is it real to them that they are going to have to pay rent? Then that would be a perceived obligation. Mm -hmm. It seems to me if there is an obligation and you choose to accept it out of your free will, then you're not being enslaved by it. Right. So, in other words, if somebody has rent to pay and they, they, they make an agreement to live in a house and sign the lease and they are free-willing choosing this, because they'd rather do that than live on the street. In other words, living in a physical body, in the physical world, has a lot of ramifications that are different than when you're in the higher realms, when you don't have these kind of obligations of, like, paying rent, et cetera, et cetera. And so in the accepting and choosing of the obligation, you might not consider that enslavement. Would you say that's true? Yeah, you might not. Or you might uh, have a bunch of expectations of yourself that you... um, they aren't even necessary or real, but they're part and parcel of what you expect of yourself. They would be uh, anticipated obligations. Keeping this same analogy, um, you know, one of the things that happens in this realm is people want partners. They want to get married. And oftentimes a man will want to have a bigger house or more money so he can get a bigger house because that will attract a woman who he might find more desirable. Now, in that case, how does this idea of perceived obligation come into into effect? It depends upon what his expectations are. Uh, He might perceive that he had to have um, 
million dollar job every year and uh, she might uh, have to have a certain kind of a house and a certain social repertoire uh, to maintain his uh, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And so if he's choosing it, now he's choosing the job, he's obligated to the job, he's obligated to the rent, and probably he's obligated to the woman as well. Yes? Right. He is. And the woman has all well, these expectations. All, yeah, and they're perceived expectations and they're real. Mm-hmm. And to get out of this realm, you have to get out of being enslaved. In other words, if you perceive, if you create situations where you are enslaved, which I think people do all the time, that would um, keep them on the wheel of reincarnation, yes? Very definitely. Yeah. So this is an important principle if you want to graduate this realm. How do you deal with perceived obligations? Obligations are what binds people to this realm. For example... Right. Let's let's suppose you're paying rent every month, and you die. And is part of you still going to want to pay rent on the other side? Is that going to come up when you're going to think about it? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that's going to come up. I mean, let's say that a guy's used to paying rent, and he's very popular and providing for his family, and suddenly he's killed in a car accident, And then he's, oh, my God, the rent is due. You know, what am I going to do, you know, when the rent's due? And uh, it's a real problem. And so the problem is going to exist on the other side for that, right? Yeah. Okay. It's like, because people sometimes think that all they have to do is die and they get rid of all their problems and they're moving on. Not true. Not true. It's not that easy. Yeah. So, how do you deal with that? Let's suppose you're in a body, and you have a family, and you're you're responsible for the rent of the mortgage being paid, and you die. Does that mean everyone who pays rent and mortgage is going to be trapped in this realm that has a family? No, everybody handles it on their own. A way of handling it, like like the guy might uh, eventually realize, you know, it's I'm not in this realm anymore, and uh, I'm going to have to move on, and um, I'm not going to be paying the rent anymore. I mean, it's one of the things that when he dies, eventually he will get the idea. 
but it's quite common. Like there was a um, a landowner. Uh, he owned a bunch of apartments, and he died. And he couldn't get used to the idea that he he died. And he kept going around and knocking on the doors for the apartments, and they'd answer, and they'd see this one there before it quickly disappeared. And he was like, uh, I, have, I came to collect the rent. And a lot of people moved out of the apartment house because uh, it just was too much for them. I mean, they heard him knocking on the door? Yeah, and they answered the door, and he said, I'm here to collect the rent. But he was a ghost? Yes. Okay. And it was freaking him out? Yes. Okay. Can, can you... But, you know, aside from the exchange of money, there's the idea that you have a family that is not going to have the resources that you want before you died. And right. how do you let go of that? Well, they have or to should... figure it out. The mm -hmm. family has to figure it out. Maybe they have to move to some cheaper place for Mm-hmm. Now, if you were the guy, you could have gotten a life insurance policy. Right. And that would help. Okay. Yeah. Can you give some other examples of perceived obligation? Um, well, People have different jobs, and with their job comes uh, the routines that they do every day, and it gives them uh, like a perceived obligation a whole series of them. Like, I have to be there at 9, and I have to clock in, and I have to uh, turn the the meters on at eleven, and uh, you know they they have their whole routine, and uh, mm -hmm. these are obligations. Uh, now somebody could have perceived obligations that weren't really um, real, like. Uh, Somebody might have the uh, perceived obligation um, that they uh, had to be a doctor because the parents always said, since you as a kid, you know, we expect you to be a doctor. You're going to Stanford and uh, and so his whole life is built around that. Now, 
the thought occurred to me, I was thinking about Michael Jackson when he died. And, you know, some of you know this, but Michael Jackson came and talked to us through Terry and talked to me. And um, I'm sure it was Michael Jackson. It proved itself to me. But I'm not going to go yeah. into that. But Michael, when he died, he was in, he was on the verge of doing a super tour of Europe, I believe, concerts. And he was very upset because he had all of these fans who were anticipating the concert. And he had to let them down. It wasn't just all the fans. He had anticipations his own self. It's like, I need to perform. I need to... Uh, show my children what I can do. I'm all ready to go. I've got the singers. I've got the dancers. It's all set up. I'm all ready to go. I have to do this tour. But he uh, didn't have his body to work through anymore. And it was very, very traumatic for him. Would we call that a perceived obligation? Sure. It was an obligation. And uh, and then after he died, he perceived that it was his obligation to go do it. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember when I was younger, and I know this is a common thing, people would talk about exchanging favors. In other words, if somebody did something for you, it wasn't usually done in a way that uh, was free. In other words, they would feel they could come and ask you for something at some time in the future. And I would assume that it's a subtle way that we bound ourselves into perceived obligations. In other words, like expectations of favors. And, you know, it's a a fine line. Because if you really have a friend and you care about each other, you can help them when they need it and vice versa. And you do it out of care, not out of perceived obligation. Can you comment on that? Am I correct? Each person has his own uh, reason for and motivation for setting up what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But if you have a whole web of perceived obligations, then I would assume that would create a impetus 
to keep you hooked into this realm. Definitely. Yeah. So it would be a great value for someone to look at their life and and their relationships in their life and see if they can find the perceived obligations and how to release themselves from those obligations while they're still... Well, they might not want to release themselves from the obligations. Some of the obligations are very important to fulfill and are part of their action plan in their life. But uh, what perceived obligation might they not... Might they want to release and get rid of. Well, you know, maybe they have some extraneous loans that really don't apply to their life. Uh, Like, I want to date a movie star, or I want to meet Johnny Depp. (laughs) Well, I should have um, added a postscript to that comment I made, and that is people who are on a spiritual path that want to access higher dimensions, that might want to graduate this realm, are the ones that might want to... um, analyze their perceived obligations and see where they can free themselves from. Well, anyone, anyone might want to do that. You know, release themselves from perceived obligations. You know, like the parents could install certain perceived obligations uh, to the children. Uh, and and it would then uh, tie them to uh, what the family obligations were. You know, it's like you take care of the older people. Um, you uh, educate the younger people. I mean, Within families, there's a lot of expectations. So, if you're on a spiritual path and you want to free yourself from obligations, it's good to handle them while you're in the body. In other words, well, sure. yeah, because once you're not in the body, you aren't going to be able to handle them very well. Right. And, I mean, let's give an example here of uh, someone who dies and doesn't leave an insurance policy, and his family goes into a deep disaster because of it. And I would guess that he would know that on the other side. 
and uh, probably he may or may it, not. He may he may or may not. Right. But would that create a obligation, a karmic obligation, to come back and help that family in a future lifetime? It depends upon the uh, on his commitment. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly. I don't know if we would call it karma, or if we would call it care, right? I mean, people think I want to leave this realm. I want to get out of it. And um, and yet they keep coming back. Right. And like there might be a circumstance where somebody's in a lot of trouble and they figure, well, you know, I'll just uh, move on and I I'll just uh let all of this go and let she commit suicide. Then the next thing you know, um, he's back and he's set up the same circumstance again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read this, that suicide is not a good way to get out of this realm in general. Although one time no. we asked the question... One time we asked a question about it, and, and you said if a person has a body that's really in pain and um, they do suicide to um, leave that body, that may not create a karmic incident. Yeah, it might not, uh, because but, like, the body was going to die anyway, and... Uh, and it didn't create any karma flaw. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if you kill yourself and you create a lot of pain and suffering for other people, that could create karma. Yes? Yes. And, um... Could you explain that a little, a little more? Well, let's see. Um, there's somebody that. Uh, but we are trying to think of real examples. Okay, there was a man, and he thought that he was really messing up and, um, and that it would be better for the family if he committed suicide. So he did. And then he found himself stuck on the other side, going, this is worse than it was over there. Like now, I can't talk to anybody. I can't look through the issues. 
And here I am, not able to talk. I can't move forward. There's nothing I can do about anything now. And uh, he was one of the people that uh, somebody put in the light. And he came through. And he was uh, saying, well, I wish I hadn't done it because now my options are gone. I, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, my family are missing me. And, uh, now, now it's really bad. I, nothing I can do about it. And uh, I just have to sit here and suffer and see my family missing me. Um, so that was his situation. You know, when the Elohim do things that help people in this realm, which they do, we've we've observed it many times, and I suppose I should conclude the raw group when they do things. There is no obligation um, extended from your part for something you do. And can you confirm that? I'm sure that's true, but I want to hear it from you. Yeah, we uh, we don't extend obligation. Mm-hmm. And you do it because part of your fundamental motivation is to lift the vibration of the universe. That's correct. And as you increase people's evolutionary progress. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can help somebody when you perceive that increases their evolutionary pro- process. Right. And you can also you also tend to help people that have made a vibrational connection with you. Yes. And so the people that are coming to our calls that are listening to you all the time are making connection, real connection. It's not just followers, but they're making I mean you used the word a long time ago. Uh, we're like your higher dimensional friends. Right. It's a, a progress of evolution moving in present time. Mm-hmm. And in this realm, when we're true friends for someone else, we will treat them in somewhat the same manner, yes? Yes. Without feeling obligation or like... No, it is beyond obligation. There's no obligation. It's just a matter of um, give and take and uh, there's a joy in giving and taking. Mm -hmm. And I know in other calls and other questions... 
we talked about how, let's see if I can verbalize this correctly, how we become knowing that we exist by the ways we reflect with other people. In fact, the whole universe works that way. Each, each awareness in the universe will have an intrinsic, fundamental need to have a reflection back from another. Yes. I, yeah, I mean, it's I, one of the ways that people know they exist. When they, they yep. get confirmation, someone has seen them, someone has spoken with them. Mm-hmm. And do, in the higher realms, is that same thing true? Like, Definitely. Everything works in groups because groups create the reflection of energy of yourself at a very at a high level, even in this realm, you can do that. You can get some very strong hologramic uh, resonances going when you have a group. And of course, when a group operates like that, they are expressing the law of one. In other words, the perception is that they're helping an aspect of themselves that's bigger than them. Yes. So in our group, we've established a pattern of that, I think amongst many of the people who come to our calls. They help each other. They don't, you know, they're not friends in the traditional sense. There's no obligation, but they choose to help each other out of care and compassion, which is an expression of the law of one. Yes. Okay. So when you do that, it's an opportunity for self-evolution. Yes. Now, the negative doesn't usually operate like this. No, the negative thinks that uh, if they take it from themselves, then they're better off. Mm -hmm. They forget the synergistic effect of people working together. And they also want to create perceived obligations. Right. To enslave people to them. To enslave people. So it's really important to observe those patterns in the people around you. In other words, are they doing things to create obligation, or are they doing things 
because they care. And are they doing things because of the joy of connection? Or are they doing things because of the power that um, they get over another? Is that accurate? A negative uh, tend to do things to bring uh, power and energy to themselves. Mm-hmm. And we use the word negative, and we think, oh, those are the bad guys over there, and we're the good guys over here. But the fact of the matter is that we ourselves can be doing those patterns on other people, and they can be doing them on us. And uh, we don't even realize it's a, it's a, it's it's a it's an enslavement. We just accept it because we think right. that's the way it works. In other words, uh, you know, a guy who has a family and his wife has certain demands on him, and she may use sex as a way of getting him to do her demands is basically an enslavement of perceived obligation. Yes? Right, and so you you tend to get that going in families where... Uh, they have a perceived obligation mm, that they feel they, uh, everybody in the family feels that they must do and, uh, and can bind them up and um, make them feel trapped. Now, if somebody's on a spiritual path and they're, they find themselves in this web of, of being enslaved by perceived obligations. And of course, one way to get out of it is just negate the entire relationship and go somewhere else and start over. But then they, then would, it, tend to, they would tend to set up the same relationship with someone else. Right. So... What's the best way for someone to deal with a circumstance where they're being enslaved by obligations? Well, they need to figure out um, in the uh, serving of the final result that they would like, uh, what are they able to contribute uh, and and is this going to be of of obligation, uh, feeling of being totally trapped, or is this going to be given out of love? Mm-hmm. 
how do they switch it? They have to switch their own attitude towards it. Yes. They can work with it, try different ways of uh, setting it up so that they don't, they, they hire somebody else to uh, take care of the person or, uh, They need to work it out in a way that's equitable mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. It's not easy, though, because, you know, uh, I've been, like, looking at this Johnny Depp-Amber Heard connection and how it seems to me that it was very much immersed in perceived obligations, probably in both parties. And, you know, the woman, who was a beautiful woman, had all these expectations because she was giving herself. And she realized that everybody wants me. I'm beautiful. And and then... He who happens to be extremely independent person found himself trapped in this and probably expressed a lot of anger as his way of reacting to the obligation he was feeling. And now that's my take on that. Okay, and you know I've watched a few of the videos on this, and it's kind of fascinating as a model of how things get screwed up because they started out probably very passionate and quote unquote in love, and I don't know if I should ask you to make a comment on that because. Um, but but their whole relationship is being exposed in this trial, so it's not really <laughs> a secret, you know. And is my evaluation of it somewhat accurate? Could you summarize it? In other words, you have. A beautiful woman. Let's let's not even use Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Let's just use the idea. You, you know, people have qualities that are very desirable. A beautiful woman has qualities that are very desirable by men, and um, and very wealthy men have qualities that are very desirable to women. And either side can use those qualities as a way of manipulating another person. In fact, you know, oftentimes when I was young, I would hear people say, he's too good for her, or she's too good for him. And 
it's an example of a negative way that people engage with each other. And if you find yourself in that kind of negative engagement, it's pretty hard, it can be pretty hard to get out of it. That's what I was saying. Well, um, each person has their own uh, relationship uh, in a situation like that and uh, have their own uh, mechanisms for handling it. It is one of the situations in life which exposes someone to um, situations that they uh, learn by handling it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing about that is looking at what causes people to come together. And some people come together because... They want to be proud of the person they're with. They want to look better to the world. And some people come together because they have an intrinsic soul level of understanding that makes them want to give to the other person out of a deeper a deeper motivation than one of looking good to other people and impressing other people. One of the things that can happen is uh, a very handsome man hooks up with a very beautiful woman and he's walking her uh, down the... um, the beach, and all of the other guys are looking and saying, wow, how did he ever get a girl like that? Well, I mean, uh, this isn't a relationship tie that is going to hold that relationship between them together uh, for a long time the basics of who they are and how they relate can uh, come into play. So uh, let's say that um, he doesn't know a lot about her. And then um, he marries her. And then he's finding, well... We need money, really bad. We need money. And she's like, oh, yeah, I can get $1,000 in an afternoon, you know? And he's like, oh, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but uh, so um, this glamour uh, can lead to different problems down the line 
and isn't anything to base a really good relationship on. In a best-case scenario, the people would grow out of that and learn to connect with each other in a more soulful way. Right. In a worst-case scenario. In a worst-case worst case scenario. In they have a big divorce. Yeah, they, they start beating up on each other, and they feel huge anger, and they want to hurt the other person. And then they get their divorce. <laughs> but, you know, if you're someone that wants a relationship, it's so important to look for someone, uh, to have the idea out that you're going to have a soul-level connection with the person that you're going to have a relationship with. And to have that as your criteria, and, and you don't have to hold it against them if they happen to be beautiful or rich, but... Um, to not use that as the primary motivation for connecting. Because then you're going to end up with that, you end up with that reflection as your primary relationship in your life, and it's going to be very unfulfilling. And then the guy will probably go look for other people. And... Um, who knows, the woman might as well. Right. And it just goes, it goes from bad to worse. Yes. We would suggest that we move to the healing list. So. I was just thinking that. And every Sunday, we go through a healing list. And uh, you can get on this list by going to this webpage, inthelight.intelligent-infinity.com, inthelight.intelligent-infinity.com. And that puts you on the list. And Sija, in England, is going to read the list, and what the person's purpose is putting on the list, and our sources are going to make comments about it. Is Sija here? I am here. Okay, super. And I'll turn it over to you, Sija. Thank you for being here and doing Thank this. You. Oh, Thank you. Thank you for a great call today. Very interesting and very helpful for people, especially the stuff about relationships. Okay, uh, I'd like to call in the love light of protection around each and every person on this healing list, a subject of the healing list, listening to this call, listening to the replay or reading a transcript. Isis in Arizona. 
my cat Lucy for healing of her bladder infection. My gallbladder and kidneys for healing. Thank you. Thank you. Let me take a minute. Let me take a look. We send healing to Lucy and healing to you. Thank you. Thank you. John from Las Vegas. Please put decentralized cryptocurrencies into the love light for massive worldwide adoption, for privacy, and for them to be used as a monetary system that is free from capital gains tax and free from surveillance. Please help decentralized cryptocurrencies to become more accessible and easy for people to use and understand. Thank you. Thank you. We take the good points and uh, send strength and uh, availability and um, understandability and um, utility to them. Thank you. Thank you. Joyti from Issaquah. Will I be eternally tortured by clones of me? Thank you. No, we do not see this as your future. However, you need to eliminate the prospect from your future paradigm. Thank you. Thank you. Etchna from Snohomish. Dear Elohim and Ra, Thank you again for all the support and guidance. Today, I would like to put Kim into the light since she got COVID while traveling last week. Please help her heal completely. Much love. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we recommend that she... Uh, if she uh, has supplementation uh, for um, COVID, that she uh, uh, take it to help protect her. Thank you. Thank you. Enjoy tea. Please ask your second question next week or on the Wednesday call. Alan Ferguson from Keyport, New Jersey. Thank you once again, my dearest friends. Every day I experience your love and grace as 
as it continues to expand. Today, I ask that my intention is to place Sija in the love light, as I believe her intention is becoming more and more powerful. Therefore, my desire is you will acknowledge and that this hologram of intention will be placed in the love light and she will be shielded from any negative influences with gratitude and love, Alan. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Alan. We magnify your intention. Thank you. Thank you. Feature from England. Thank you to all of our beautiful friends in the higher realms for co-creating with us and helping us to manifest a beautiful new reality. I put into the love light any of my previous prayer requests that are important for the highest and greatest good. Thank you for protecting Mother Earth and for setting any negative agendas off course. Thank you. Thank you. We pay particular attention to the San Andreas area, to the health of the children and education. Thank you. Thank you. Hi from Los Molinos. I am asking for healing of my swollen left knee all the time when I need to work resting on my knees. I either use a kneading pad or knee pads. About two weeks ago, I rested on a hard floor without for just a minute. That was a mistake. Please support the healing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Major Miss for your healing of the ligaments and of your knee. Thank Are you there? You. All right. Yes, thank you. I'm just looking at the top of the list, and um, Joyty is, um, perhaps I should read her other question. Uh, I'll read the question. Um, this is from Joyty from Issaquah. The Spon Sponagule Wellness Clinic in Florida, specializes in treating Lyme. Is it optimum for me to pursue funding to get treatment there? Is pursuing treatment closer to home optimum? Thank you. It is depending upon the effectiveness of the treatment in the area. We remind you you have had treatments in your area in Seattle 
uh, quite a few years ago, and uh, the uh, problem has remained with you. So we would suggest that you may wish to investigate the Florida Clinic and see people's testimonials uh, after being treated for Lyme. Thank you. Thank you. And there are other things for treating Lyme, Joyty. There's one product that I'm aware of, and it's called Mitocopper. I think the website is mitocopper.com, and it's a supplement that uses copper one, and they have some evidence of it um, eliminating or clearing out spirochete bacteria in the blood. And it's meant to be good for Lyme disease, but I've never used it. So you might want to look that up. I think it's a cheaper option. Um, so I hope that helps. Uh, also, there are other people on the call who have um, a lot of experience of Lyme. You might want to ask Wynne uh, what they've looked at and what they've used. That might help you also. Okay, that was the last person on the list. So thank you, Terry. Uh, thank you, Hive. Thank you, Wynne. Thank you to our sources. And thank you to everyone on the call. Back to you, Wynne. Thank you, Sita. And thank you, our sources. And, you know, we have about 10 minutes um, before we should be off. And I thought I might open up the lines and see if probably no one will do this, okay? But um, who knows? Maybe I will. But anyone want to share their experience where they felt trapped in perceived obligations and uh, in a relationship where they had one of those kinds of relationships that I described. And um, hang on, I'm going to open up the lines. All participants are unmuted. There we go. Well, I, I don't, I don't recall any um, at this moment a perceived obligation in a relationship of my own, but I do recall um, an incident that happened um, a few months ago that was the exact incident that the Elohim would have loved to have probably have spoken about, because it was somebody that committed suicide. And the way in which they did it was horrible and horrific and caused immense pain and suffering to the people who witnessed it because the person did it in a very public way and a really horrible and gruesome way, which I won't go into. 
Um, and they did it um, because their relationship, um, love relationship, broke down. And so by doing that, they would have caused immense suffering to their children and their relationship, their parents, and the people who had to witness the, um, the way in which the person committed suicide. Thank you. And if you were going to give those people counsel now, or if you were going to give the guy counsel before he committed suicide, what would you have told him? I would have, I would have spent time talking to him on the phone. I would have said, um, if you need to talk, ring me any time. I would have offered to take him out of his environment, um, away from memories. Perhaps I would have offered to take him up and to see the horses, to groom them, something that was therapeutic and comforting. I think that that's the first step, is being able to, to have someone you can talk to. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good plan of action, and thank you for sharing. Anyone else? This is Heisen. Um, Go ahead, Heisen. Um, you know, obligations. This is, and I think of my job, and, you know, you have to do what your boss is telling you to do. And, um, you know, I do a big variety of jobs. I'm a service electrician, but then sometimes this is like, you know, going into attics or crawling into these mobile homes and... Uh, you just have to do what, you know, you're being told, and that those are obligations, and, you know, there's no better way than being your own boss, I think. But that's just the way it is, although I love my job. You know what? If, 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 you, if you were doing the same thing you're doing now, but it was your own business... Would you feel any better about crawling under things, et cetera, et cetera? Well, you just hire people. Until you can't determine if you want to take certain jobs or not take certain jobs. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing. Any anyone else? Um, who is that? Question that I would about obligation. Uh, one, to what extent is it limited to the third density down here? And uh, to what extent is it um, a response to perceived limitation of resources? So if somebody helps somebody, then they think they're out and they have to get be paid back to uh, get back to the level where they were before. Yeah. I don't know if Terry wants to answer that. 
Um, I mean, not that she doesn't want to, but, you know, she was very tired today. There were lots of um, kudos for coming on and, and answering everything. So what, what is the question? Um, I was asking to what extent is uh, this idea of obligation uh, more or less, it sounds like a third density issue. I don't know that the higher densities would have it. And uh, it seems like it's extended it linked to uh, Lisa perceived um, limitation of resources that people, if somebody helps them and they think that now they're out and they need to get uh, paid back to get back to where they're were, were before. Well, the um, uh, perceived obligations can go all the way up the densities. For instance, um, you have the wanderers, and the wanderers are perceiving that they need to come back here and to help people that are still struggling uh, in the third density. And so um, the um, perceived obligations uh, and self-imposed desires to help and uh, be effective and, and come with purpose to help others, uh, it extends all through the densities. Now, I was thinking that thing about where somebody helps somebody and gives them money. You know, when you're going to give somebody money, you can do it as a loan or you can do it as a gift. And for me, I decided that even if I did it as a loan, I would never give more than I could afford to lose. And if I didn't get it back, I would just let it go, you know? I mean, in some cases, people have the potential to pay a loan back. And in other cases, it doesn't look very likely. So that's, that's how I deal with it. In other words, or I can just give it as a gift and let it go, okay? And I've done that a number of times. But not to not with a lot of money. Not a lot, but enough, you know, sometimes to give somebody $100 or $50. And I know a lot of people... I donated to Terry because she gives so much that... Um, I really want to thank well, everybody that did. I haven't been able to send out the thank yous yet, but I thank you in my heart. I really appreciate it. I really felt your attention and your um, desire to help, and it was very helpful. And she's gotten a lot of beautiful emails from people. And uh, 
thank you, Terry, very much. Yeah. This is uh, this is Roger, and I wanted to put uh, my two cents in here. No one has mentioned uh, that when you uh, take an oath, uh, such as I did when I went into the Air Force, I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution and to follow orders and so on. And I uh, was ordered to Vietnam as an air crew member. And I was did not want to go. I was politically opposed to the whole business, but I went anyway. And uh, I uh, asked for support from the other side, and I ended up uh, getting through it. Uh, 140 combat missions without uh, any injury or any compromise, and so I viewed that as a success. And I'm glad that I honored my oath. So. That's all I had to say. Thank you. Along the line of honoring one's oath, this is Jody and Issaquah. You, if you're really interested in this topic, I've never found anyone more articulate than Jordan Peterson, prolific on the YouTube. I'm I enjoy him, too. Well, Jody, where did Jordan Peterson come from? Like, Canada. You know, but, I mean, what did he do in his life? It's kind of he's like, I never said... He's what? He was a professor. Okay. All right. Thank you. He's, he's also a clinical psychologist. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You can, anyone can look him up and do a search on Jordan Peterson. And, and he has a, very, a lot of very wise comments about life. The most articulate person I've ever heard of um, mm -hmm. talking about joyful giving is Marshall Rosenberg or any of his tra trained um, teachers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you know what? It's 11.59. We have to get off. We're probably going to pay, play some music. Thank you all for supporting the energy of this call, and thank you, Terry. Thank you, our sources, and thank you. Um, who else? There's something else I'm thinking, and went blank. Thank you, Shelvin. You're awesome. <laughs> well, I'm myself. Okay. <laughs> so, well, Thanks to CJ. Thanks to CJ. Oh, thanks, Roger. And, and you know, it's yeah. just—it's a blessing to be able to do this and bring this through and contribute to so many people's lives. It really is. So, um, and I know Terry feels the same way. So, um, and then, are you going to play some music, guys? Right. 
Yes, I will. Okay. So everyone's already unmuted. So we can say goodbye, and thank you all for being here. Happy trails. Many blessings. Thank you. Happy trails. Thank you from Seattle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.